0: Well, welcome into the Fanatic at 5 after a uh, the only way to describe it would be a wild weekend, uh, at least for us here at the Fanatic. Uh, it was uh, FanFest weekend. I'm sure if you were out there, you would know exactly what we're talking about. It was uh, a blast to interact with all the listeners and uh, seeing Ben Simmons and seeing Brent Selleck and um, really just the, the highlight for us though on the programming side just to be able to hang out with you folks and uh, put faces to names and, and meet people and and, and all that good stuff. So we're 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 kind of coming off of that Fan Fest high, if you will, and uh, now it's time to decompress and get back to the grindstone of of work. And it is uh, Pat Egan. It is Tyler Zuli. Is the fanatic at five uh, before the morning show gets in here? And while the uh, the fun of Fan Fest was kind of taking over, and we were able to, right afterwards, we were still having fun and still in enjoying everything uh, the Phillies were blowing yet another game it was so frustrating so uh, I, at this point just laughable on the, and I'm talking about on Saturday night that I kind of just threw my hands up and I'm a huge baseball fan I know Tyler's a huge baseball fan and at this point I don't know where to go with this team like I am just lost so to recap what happened on Saturday night. Uh, they were they blew a five run lead to the Toronto Blue Jays of all people. Uh, they get in there, they throw in their closer in the eighth inning, who has never been named their closer, but we all know he's their closer. And Sir Anthony Dominguez, he gets thrown in there in the eighth inning. He proceeds to basically let on everybody and their mother on the base pass. I mean, I don't think he got. I think he got one out, and it was a diving play by Dubo Herrera, I think. Um, but he basically lets everybody on, and then Udburay Ramos comes in and just blows it. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, it was Victor Rano who comes in and blows it. I'm sorry, I'm I'm missi- mixing up my, my average relievers. Um, oh, and- come on now, they've been better than average for the most part. No, they've been good, they've been good. Um, especially, I mean, he's posted like a two ERA. No, they've been good. Uh, I'll give them a break. Um, the problem is, is that everybody gets ripped when you're in a skid like they are right now. And they're in an epic bad skid and, and they, they, they get behind two runs to the Blue Jays. Ken Giles comes in, and basically ever since Ken Giles left Philadelphia, he he sucks. I mean, that is the, the best way to put it. He never solidified that closer spot in Houston. He gets traded for uh, Roberto Azuna, who that was a, a very... Uh Controversial trade, but it was a change of scenery move. He got designated. Not, he didn't get designated for a sign, but he got sent down to the minors at one point this past season. So this is a guy you should be able to at least rally a comeback from. They're not able to do it. Least shocking news of, of the weekend, I thought. Um And they lose. And it's gotten to the point where if this team gets down late in the game, I have no confidence whatsoever that they're actually going to win.
1: No, and that's the thing is everybody wants to compare this team to the 06 or 07 Phillies team with how they kind of came up and they're together. And, you know, it's kind of the ascension and the beginning of the of what could be good things to come. But that's the difference is this team doesn't hit in the clutch. No. Whereas that team was never out of a game. They had terrible pitching and they were never out of a game because you knew that they had a top or a bottom of a ninth
0: to to, to mount a rally. Yeah, and the pitching for the Phillies has been pretty good Um you know, this this series, it wasn't great. Nick Pavetta was probably left in there a little bit too long. I mean, it's kind of Monday morning quarterback revisionist history because uh, he was cruising, but gives up a two-run home run and, and, you know, makes it a, a one-run game on Saturday night. But um, the pitching has been solid. It hasn't been awful. But for me, it's uh, – and by the way, I don't want to ignore the fact they did win yesterday, but going back in the month of August to tell you how bad it's been, this is the seventh straight series that they've come out, and they have – failed to win a series seven straight series and the one series and I would say they've they've lost them all but they split against the Boston Red Sox if they'd had a third game against Boston they're probably losing that game as well because they've just played so incredibly bad this stretch um, and on top of it they're losing to bad teams and that's that's the problem that I have you're not losing to you know the Boston Red Sox you're not losing to the Arizona Diamondbacks which by the way they did this month but you're losing to teams like the San Diego Padres who have, I'd say diehard baseball fans can't name four people on that team. They're terrible. They they haven't been relevant in, what, 12-plus years? I mean, that team is is a perpetual, I'm not worried about the San Diego Padres. You can add the Cincinnati Reds that team. There's a team in every sport where you're just every year, you're like, yeah, I'm not worried about that team. San Diego Padres are that team. You lose a series to them. You lose a series to the New York Mets, who throw out a guy who has an ERA over eight, and you fail to get any runs off of them, That's pathetic. You lose a series to the Washington Nationals, who have given up and started to trade everybody in August and have basically started waving the white flag. You lose a series to them. You lose a series to the Toronto Blue Jays, who the window is is closed, and that fan base is just waiting for Vlad Guerrero Jr. to come up, and that is it. I mean, that's the only saving grace for that season. So you're losing series to teams that are out of it, that are bad. And you're failing to capitalize on the fact that, you know, you need to win these games because the Atlanta Braves continue to roll. You're now sitting three games back of uh, the Braves. I think you're one and a half game back of a wild card spot. And as I sit here now, I'm just, I'm not confident in, in this squad to actually win a series, which is sad because entering this month, I was very confident. But this month has just done a number on me.
1: And every time, every time they get help from other teams, from the Rockies earlier in the week, this, uh, this weekend, the Marlins take two of three from the Braves, and you can't gain any ground. Every time that they turn a corner, or it looks like they should turn a corner, they don't do it because they fail to win a series, like you said. And they're beating good pitching. The, they split with Boston, who's got good—I know Nate, Nate Evaldi's not a household name, but he's been pretty good this year. Yeah, he's been solid. They go and they beat Max Scherzer. You lose to DeGrom— Everybody loses to Degrom. He doesn't give up runs. They just don't score for him. But then, like you mentioned, you, you go and you get blanked by Jason Vargas.
0: And, and that then, shouldn't happen. One of the issues is, and as you said, like I, I laugh when I hear this compared to the oh six oh seven oh eight roster because, as you said, like they were never out of it. You know, they didn't have the pitching. They were throwing out average to below average starters. You know, they would trade for a guy like Kyle Lotion in. in, in in, at the trade deadline, and that was supposed to solidify the the, the awful rotation you would have, um, but that team was never out at all offensively. And this team, other than Reese Hoskins and I'd say Franco, they have nobody that really scares anybody. I and, mean, and I don't trust anybody to come to the plate because they don't put good at bats together. No, it's 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 frustrating. I mean, the prime example would be on Saturday night when it's like you've got Ken Giles on the mound, and as we said, you know he struggled this entire season. He's really struggled since he left Philadelphia. And he's on the mound, and you basically start, you know, first pitch swinging off the guy, basically just trying to get out of there. And next thing you know, he's thrown what seven pitches, and he's out of it. And it's like, no, like you should try to work in a bat against that guy. They're twenty million dollar man, Carlos Santana, who actually had a a decent day yesterday, but with the solo home run. But he's been a massive, massive bust. This this whole lineup, it's like. There are a bunch of either question marks or just like, you know, below average. You know, Cesar Hernandez in the leadoff spot is in 260. Odubo Herrera the past two months has been uh, missing. I mean, put him on a milk cart. and it, it, It's been frustrating because, as you said, the, the pitching's been there. And when you need timely hits, when you need clutch at bats, they don't get it. You get a five-run lead and the pitching seems to blow it. Like, at, this month is anything can go wrong, will go wrong, and it is going wrong and that's that's a huge issue going into the stretch because you don't want to blow it with you know the month of september being so critical to a playoff spot. They do have a four game series against the Braves coming up in september on um, the 20th to the 23rd which is going to be key if they if they're still in it. And they they're very easily could get back in this quickly. I mean, sure. Especially you mentioned four. I think they have 7
1: with the Braves to end the season seven of their last 11 do, games you're right, with the rocky series in between but you don't want that to have to be the barrier you don't want to have to break through that you want to be right on the cusp where if you can win four out of seven you're in the mix for the division you don't want to have to win six of seven in the final two weeks to to catch up to the braves and that's the spot that they're in now where you're going to have to go six and one over a final seven game stretch
0: yeah, if, to me, and I said this on uh, one of my shows, either Saturday or Sunday. It just feels like they are the New York Mets in 2008. So if you remember, the New York Mets and the the Phillies were basically neck and neck going into August for the NL East lead, and the, the Phillies kind of just they didn't really lose, and the Mets kind of withered away. And next thing you know, you know they're three three games back, four games back. And it was over. I mean, it was it was the Phillies' division to lose, and that to me it seems like that's what's happening with the Atlanta Braves, where they fail to lose when they do lose. The Phillies lose. The Phillies aren't capitalizing, as you said, when you know other teams are coming up big for them and beating the Braves. And a prime example would be last night. The, you know, the Phillies finally win a game. They they win eight three, and the Braves win the previous night. The Braves lose. The Phillies lose. Like you need to you need to beat these bad teams because the heart of this schedule right now. It, it's nothing to, to write home about. I mean, you've got the the Washington Nationals coming into town. Uh, that's a very winnable series, but they've already lost the Washington Nationals. You got Max Scherzer on the hill on Tuesday against Aaron Nola. Um, but the way they've been playing, I have no confidence in that. Then you have the Chicago Cubs. I mean, I don't see them beating the it's Chicago not a Cubs. Game block. Then you've got the Miami Marlins. Okay, they should be able to beat the Marlins. You would right. think. Yeah, I mean that seems laughable. Uh, and then you've got the New York Mets, and then the Nationals, and then the Marlins again. I mean. Their their schedule in September, if you were to just look at it, and if you know if 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 I put you in um, an induced coma, let's say at the at the end of July, and I and I I woke you up in September and showed you the schedule, and and you've been watching the Phillies all season long, you'd be able to look at the schedule and go, oh, okay, they they should be able to easily get a playoff spot because you're looking at bad team in the Marlins, bad team in the, in the Mets, bad team in the Nationals, bad team in the Marlins, bad team in the Mets, um, good team in in the Braves, good team in the Rockies, and and good team in the Braves, so you look at okay, they should, should be fine. The it's way a ton of winnable series. The way they're entering September, you know, I just have no faith whatsoever that they're actually going to make the playoffs, and once again, that could change very easily. Um, I'm one of those guys, admittedly, I've been on the fence all year, I've been back and forth and kind of yo-yoing with my, my selection of if they or won't they make the playoffs, but to me, the biggest issue with this team is the leadership is just not there. It's non-existent. And the guys that they paid a lot of money to get in here, to be leaders, they, in my opinion, they haven't really produced. And part of it is not so much their fault. Part of it is. Um, and the two guys I'm talking about, obviously, are Carlos Santana and um, Jake Arrieta. Now, Arietta tried to do that at the beginning of the season. He tried to get in there and motivate. And, you know, he popped off a little bit in the, in the media. He said his our defensive shifts are terrible. They were. They are. They're the worst defensive team in Major League Baseball. He wasn't wrong about that. The problem is he goes out the next start. He gets rocked, and people in the media, um, people at the station, started ripping the guy because he dared said the truth. When he
1: comes off looking like a, a you-know-what because he doesn't have a good start, if he comes out and he he wipes the floor, he goes, complete game shutout. We all go, wow, man, that was that's the turning point. If the, if the Phillies make the playoffs this year, that could be the turning point of the season was bringing in a guy that knows how to be around the media and knows how to motivate his club by saying the right thing. It just so happened that he had a terrible outing the next, the next time he went out on the mound. They don't have a Jimmy Rollins because that, that, it, it's the wording. And that's what it comes down to in, in the world we live in. It's the wording and how you say it, not what you say. Jimmy Rollins said the right things in the right way. Jake Arrieta said the right things in the wrong way, and now he looks
0: like a a fool. And I think that's part of the part of why he doesn't want to do it again, um, because it kind of blew up in his face last time because he had that rough start. And as you said, if he goes out and he pitches great, then you know it, lo- it looks like all right. Well, this is the guy's backing up his words. You know, when Jimmy Rollins went out in 2006 after the 2006 season, and he said what he said. He's coming off a season where he had 277. He had 25 home runs at the leadoff spot, 83 RBIs. Like he was a solidified all-star at that point, who could lead. Jake Arrieta should be the same way. The problem is Jimmy Rollins backed up his comments in 2007 by winning an MVP award, and Jake Arrieta can't really back up his comments. I mean, it's hard for Jake to go out and say what he wants to say. I'm sure. When he goes six innings and gives up four and runs, and you know loses to the lowly Toronto Blue Jays, who are ten games under five hundred at that point, it's it's tough to go out and lead. But at the same point, you're getting paid a lot of money, and it's not just for your production on the field. It's to lead, and what's what's troubling to me at least is I have not heard once this season that they've had a closed door meeting, not once. And at some point in the month of August, you should have heard about at least one closed-door meeting because this thing is just, it's, it's a snowball effect. It's rolling downhill. It's gaining steam. And it's got to be from the guys like Jake Arrieta, who's won a World Series, who's won a Cy Young Award. It's got to be from a guy like Carlos Santana, who went to the World Series with the Cleveland Indians, who's been an all-star. It's got to be from those guys to lead this young group because a guy like Aaron Nolo is 25. He's not going to call a closed-door meeting. It's not his place yet. Not when you've got a guy like Jake Arietta who's been there and done that. That's Jake Arrieta's spot. So Jake Arrieta or Carlos Santana, these guys got to lead by example. They've got a closed door meeting and they've got to say, "Hey, like, we got a you know a kick in the ass, and we got to get it together." Because at this point, we don't want to get it to September where we're out of it.
1: And, and really, all that has to be said is we had a closed door meeting. You don't. Have, nobody ever discloses what happened in a closed door
0: meeting. How many times? All we, you have to say is we had one. You don't even have to actually have it. How many times do we hear that? with Jimmy Rollins like if it, if it every was, other week. If it would start to you know a losing streak would start to you know one would start to turn into two games and start turning turn into three Jimmy or Chase or Cole or, or Ryan but it was mainly just Jimmy and Chase they would always call a closed door meeting yep, and you'd players always, only. you'd always have the media members and they tweeted out because they weren't allowed in in the normal time frame they'd always say hey you know We've got a closed door meeting. We we're not allowed in yet. And then they go in and they talk about what the the closed room meeting was about. But you're right. You really just have to close the door and just say, hey, you know, it doesn't have to be you know this drill sergeant technique. You really just have to motivate the guys and say, hey, we're still a good baseball team because this team is so young. They're so impressionable at this point. They need something, and I just don't feel like it's a guy like. Aaron Nola's place. I don't feel like it's a guy like Estrubo Cabrera's place. Um, but you look at this roster, it's not Cesar Hernandez isn't going to do it. Reese Hawkins has been in the majors for a full year now. That's it. Wilson Ramos has been here for 12 minutes. Uh, Mikal Franco is 25 years old. He's not going to do it. Odubel Herrera is in 266 at this point. Been struggling the best month. He's not going to do it. Scott Kingery's been here for less than a year and he's hitting, what, 220-something? I mean, he's not going to do it. So, you're looking at these guys. There's Clear-cut leaders who should be here, and I feel like they're not leading at all. And Gabe, it's not he's it's not his his, his way. He's not going to go out. He's not going to be the drill sergeant. He's not going to be the technician. You know, he's not going to be um, the the guy from Full Metal Jacket screaming in your face. He's going to be the guy to step up there and say everyone's performing beautifully and and all that BS that we know. But that's that's a player's manager. It's on when a play, when you have a player's manager like Charlie Manuel, it's on the players to get in there and lead by example and step up because they need to be the drill sergeant. They need to hold themselves accountable. And I feel like they're not doing it at this stage. And they need to.
1: Well, and that's the thing is we looked at Charlie and, and when you saw Charlie get the job, he was the bumbling country boy who couldn't do a double switch. Could, right, he was, couldn't do anything ah, wow. managerially.
0: How do we not hire Jim Leland? So with with Gabe Kapler, it's just a different story.
1: Same script. It's just written a little bit differently. So the fact that you look at Kapler and say he's not going to do it. That's fine because we've seen winning teams do it with a manager that isn't the strict, like you said, drill sergeant type manager. You just have to be a guy that's in the meeting and do the right things on the field. Allow the players to sort this out themselves because Jake Arrieta has been there before. Carlos Santana has been there before. Just say the right things to the media. Say the right things to the people. Let us believe. Lead us on. That you did what you were supposed to Yeah, see. all I want to see is close to me. I don't care if you actually
0: did it. Just want to see it. I just want to see these guys earn some money off the field. And I find it hard to believe that Matt Klintock paid $20 million for a first baseman when he already had one. And Reese Hoskins, he paid $20 million just for on-the-field production. You know, some of the production is going to have to come from off the field. And I just don't get that sense. Once again, um, to play devil's advocate, it is tough, I feel like, to lead when you're hitting 221. Your on-base percentage is the lowest it's been in your career. It's still really good. It's 360, but still, it's the lowest it's been in your career. Um, Jake Arietta goes out. He struggles the other night. He gives up four runs in six innings. Um, there's clearly a reason why he was available that late in free agency, although a lot of good players were available late in free agency because a lot of teams have tanked this past year, but... Um, at the same time you got to do it it's it's part of the job and this team has lost as I said, set. They, I'm sorry, they haven't lost. They haven't won a series in the past seven. They did split against Boston. Um, they enter the series t- uh, tonight against the Washington Nationals, Zach Eflin versus uh, Steven Strasburg. Steven Strasburg struggled big time this season. He has not been the Steven Strasburg that you know we've kind of come to know. Uh, the guy who's just been the 100-mile-per-hour, the 90-mile-per-hour you know, slider guy. He's, he has an ERA over four. Zach Eflin's been up and down. He struggled with his past start, but he's, he's back... I think that they could easily win this game, but it's once again. I feel like it's going to be have to be the pitching is going to have to carry them, and it seems like all season long it's been. You know, you need the pitchers to have a long stretch and a good start because this offense is so anemic.
1: Well, and the issue for me with with tonight especially is, I don't know how much they messed up Zach Eflin's head. By sending, by I, sending know, him down. I know he said the right things and Gabe said the right things and they met and had coffee or, or you know, protein shake or whatever it was that, that Gabe's doing. But you got a young pitcher who's pitching fairly well and consistently well over the course of his first real full season as a major league pitcher. You've just sent him down. You've cost him 20 grand, which is a lot of money to anybody, yep. let alone a guy who's not on a very high. Paid contract because he's under team control. You set him down to AAA. You bring him back up. He doesn't miss a start quote-unquote, but he misses time with the team, and he said it best. He is his biggest regret is not the money it's the camaraderie that he's missing it and the we're going into september
0: into a stretch run and you're taking me away from my teammates yeah and and keep in mind this is a guy he was a big part of the jimmy rollins trade it was him and tom wendell and tom wendell's never really amounted to anything but zach eflin uh it's turned into a nice pitcher and he was a former top prospect at one point i think he was drafting like the second round or the late first. Um, and when he got to Philadelphia, he struggled, uh, like, I mean, struggled big time. And he was go down to the minors, I think, in yeah, 2017. I'm looking at the stats right now. In 2017, he had a 4.57 ERA in Lehigh Valley. Um, Lehigh Valley this past year, he, he doesn't really matter because you're in Philadelphia at this point. But he hasn't wowed anybody in the minors. He basically was called up because he was on the 40-man roster. And he was a former top prospect. Let's, let's call it what it is. That's the reason he was called up. But... At the same point, he's very impressionable. You know, he's very young. This is a guy who hadn't didn't have immediate success. His first year in Philadelphia, he had a 5.54 ERA. Net last year, he had a 6.16 in the 11 starts. When he came up this year, I don't think anyone was expecting much out of him. But he's made himself into a serviceable pitcher. He's had a 3.93 ERA. To send that guy down... And as you said, it doesn't really matter because he doesn't miss a start. And it was just a move to get an extra pitcher in here in between starts. But to send him down to cost him money, this is a guy who works so hard to get where he is, to turn himself into a regular major league pitcher. The message you're sending by sending him down, even if it is, hey, you're not going to miss a start, one, you're costing him a lot of money, as you said, 20 grand. And two, you might be screwing with his head by, I worked this hard and it's still not good enough. And it might screw with his confidence. Like, some guys will get motivated by that. Some guys won't. Some guys go in reverse. Hopefully, Zach Eflin is a guy that gets motivated by it. It lights a fire that I never want to get sent down again. But, you know, who knows? Who knows where his head's at with this situation, as you said? Um, I guess time will tell. We'll find out tonight. It is the Fanatic at 5, Tyler Zulli, Pat Egan. Uh, coming up next, we will talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and Doug Peterson before uh, Bob Cooney and, and uh, Anthony Gargano get in here. Uh, Fanatic at 5, 610 975 We'll be back after this.
2: The Fanatic at 5 on 97.5 The Fanatic.
0: At AutoZone, helping you get more done is what we do best. Did you know that with the AutoZone loan tool program, you can borrow a specialty tool, no purchase necessary? Choose from over 100 tools to help you get the
2: job done right, no matter how big or small. And now's a great time to smooth out that ride with great
3: deals on new Dura Last loaded struts. Now starting at $79.99. Visit any of our 5,500 locations nationwide and let us do more for you. Deposit required restrictions and details in-store. Get in the zone. AutoZone.
1: Keep it. Get rid of it. My closet has so much more room now that I've cleaned it out.
2: Time to shop. Get up to 50% off select apparel for the family at JCPenney. Plenty of options to fill it right back up.
1: I haven't worn this in years. Oh, no, shoulder pads?
2: They certainly command the room. Hurry into JCPenney Monday through Wednesday for up to 50% off select apparel. JCPenney, style and value for all. Offers valid eight twenty seven to 829. Exclusions apply. See store JCP.com for details
3: you started a diy project at home then you realize convenience isn't always easy the why in diy doesn't mean why is this so hard at adt we dify do it for you we customize and install a secure smart home that you control from the palm of your hand or the sound of your voice smart security designed and installed just for you with adt Visit ADT.com slash smart to learn more. License information available at ADT.com. ADT, real protection. Something big just dropped at
2: McDonald's. In fact, it's so big we think it's worthy of a beat drop. Two for $5 mix and match deal at McDonald's, featuring an all-time greatest hits lineup. The Big Mac, Filet of Fish, 10-piece Chicken McNuggets, and the Classic Chicken Sandwich. Choose any two favorites for just 5 bucks. There you have it. The two for $5 mix and match deal at McDonald's has officially dropped. I participate in McDonald's limited time offer, single item at regular price. With the Capital One Quicksilver Card, you earn unlimited 1.5 percent cash back on every purchase every way. It's easy. That's just the way I like it. Oh, that's the way uh huh uh huh I like it uh huh uh
3: huh. That's the way uh huh uh huh I like it uh huh
2: uh huh. The Quicksilver Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet?
3: That's the way uh huh
2: uh huh. Capital One like Bank, USA. Uh-huh.
3: Oh, oh, oh,
2: O'Reilly. Defend your vehicle from harmful elements and restore shine with Armor All Original Protectant. For a limited time, O'Reilly Auto Parts has a great deal on a 16-ounce bottle of Armor All Protectant for $4.99. Renew, revitalize, and protect your vehicle with Armor All Protectant. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices,
3: every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Auto Parts. Stop into Lowe's to fit a few more projects and a lot more savings into summer. Get your deck looking its best with the new Valspar Exterior Stain. It covers in one coat, is rain-ready in four hours, provides all-weather defense from the elements, and it's only at Lowe's. Then, get ready to kick off the fall grilling season with savings of up to 20% on select grills. All projects have a starting point. Start with Lowe's. Grill offer through 829. While supplies last, see store for details. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA U.S. LLC. State
2: Farm, Kathy here. Hey, it's Mike. My team just pulled off the biggest upset in the history of forever. Nice, Mike. Yeah, and some fans are getting crazy. They even flipped over a car. Whoa. Turns out it's my car, though. Oh. But I don't want to be upset right now. I want to know State Farm's going to take care of this, right? We got you covered, Mike. Enjoy yourself. Yes! Woo! Thank you! Go with the one that's here to help life go right. State Farm. Talk to an agent today. All right, everyone. You're probably doing something right now like working or fishing or driving or building a three-story doghouse. So I'll keep this short. Peanuts, caramel. That's what's in a payday bar. Simple. Nuts, that's power food. Caramel, that's just plain good. Fits in your hand, good. Easy to open, great. Easy to eat, even greater. It gives you the energy to keep doing whatever you're doing. And it tastes darn good, too. All right. Good talk. Grab a payday bar and get back to doing. Payday. Get to it. Fanatic Philly Sports Talk. Now one hour earlier with Eitan Shander and Jamie Lynch. The Fanatic at 5. Weekday mornings at 5 on 97.5 The Fanatic.
0: It is the fanatic at Five, Patty and Tyler Zuli with you until uh, Bob and Anthony get in here. Bob Cooney's already bouncing around. He's uh he's eating coffee cake and whatnot, getting ready for the show. I see him in there. I'm shocked he's in here early because I thought he'd be still uh, still struggling from fanfest. I, I, was, I was the Bob Cooney. I had to make sure Bob Cooney was had to get where he was. You were my man! Yeah, they, they 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 wisely decided to give Bob Cooney a bodyguard of five foot three and a buck forty three. Um that was a smart move. Six one oh, six thirty two, zero nine seven five. I do want to get into the Philadelphia Eagles because I feel like right now the, the Eagles stock is going down a little bit. We're down on the team. Um they did struggle in the preseason, they did not play well. The general consent question is, what is up with Carson Wentz? Why hasn't he been cleared yet? I think that is the question on not only fans' minds, but also the coaches' minds as well. I want to play this cut from Kyle Brand to kind of... take people off the ledge a little bit because Kyle Brandt was on with the midday show um, this past week. He is from the NFL Network, and if you remember, uh, Kyle Brandt was the guy who was kind of made famous because everybody was picking against the Eagles except Kyle Brandt, and Kyle Brandt would go on and say, yeah, you guys can disrespect the Eagles all you want, but they, are, they actually are a pretty good football team, and here's why they're going to win. Obviously, the Eagles will win a game. The next week would have come, oh, Minnesota Vikings, they're never going to lose a game. I mean, look at how they won and their defense, and Kyle Brandt would be like, all right, that's fine. Well, I to, I'm going to pick the Eagles again, and he did it, he rode the, the wave all the way to the Super Bowl. So we had him on for the midday show, and they asked him about this current Eagles team, and this is what he had to say. How are they supposed to feel? They, they
2: just won a Super Bowl and beat the greatest quarterback in history with their backup and then proceeded to add better players and add Michael Bennett and get Jason Peters and get uh, Darren Sproles and Mike Wallace. You understand that these Super Bowl teams, they're supposed to get fleeced. They're supposed to be left on cinder blocks with no wheels because all their players can go get paid somewhere else. They're supposed to get crappy in the offseason. That's why you never see back-to-back champs. And any Super Bowl team in history, I, I, I have to go back and ask the Sable family, the NFL Films. does any Super Bowl team in history ever won a title and added better players than the Eagles just added right now? I mean, Howie Roseman, if at the craps table, just unconscious, rolling dice on a heater, getting calm, of course they should be overconfident. I'm overconfident in them. I don't care. They should be. They should have the greatest offseason for a Super Bowl winner ever.
0: Now, this was after the ridiculous conversation of are they too overconfident because Doug Peterson had the audacity to write a book after everyone called him the village idiot and he writes a book on winning the Super Bowl. um but that spoke to me because I hadn't thought about that, that way of, uh, that line of thinking of, Hey, this team actually got better when a lot of times the Super Bowl champs get worse. And we've actually seen it here in Philadelphia where we've been the guys to quote unquote poach the Super Bowl champs, whether it be, Hey, let's, let's take their third cornerback and Kerry Williams or Byron Maxwell and, and they'll be a number one cornerback and it never works. But, but Kyle's right in the sense of their biggest losses in free agency were the backup tight end in Trey Burton. Actually, he was really the third string tight end in Trey Burton because Brent Selick was there. And the slot cornerback and Patrick Robinson, who, oh, by the way, you're replacing with a guy who should have been a top 10 pick the year before had he not torn in his Achilles and Sidney Jones. So, I mean, Tyler, I'll ask you. I mean, is this team better than they were last year? This team's playing Madden at this point. And, and they're flirting with playing
1: Madden without a salary cap. You know, when you go into the game and you turn the salary cap mode yeah. off and you, you buy your punter for $80 million. That's what this team is closing in on. They Another one I think that that people forget about is they lose Torrey Smith, who was their slot receiver or their second slot receiver last year, or if you want to put him on the outside. You replace him with Mike Wallace, who, in my opinion, is better than Torrey Smith.
0: Yeah, I mean, and honestly, he can't be much worse. Like With all due respect to Torrey Smith, I appreciate what he did in this town. I appreciate him bringing his, uh, Lombardi. I appreciate him catching that ball off Keanu Neal's knee, but... He wasn't good, and he'll even tell you he wasn't good. So, the fact that you're upgrading a Mike Wallace on the outside, and if, you know, for Mike Wallace, if he struggles at all, you got Matt Collins coming into his second year. Nelson Aguilar was a revelation in the slot last year, but you you look at the Super Bowl roster that they had, you're upgrading a left tackle. You're arguably upgrading at your backup running back spot by getting Darren Sproles back in here. You're maybe upgrading a slot corner if Sidney Jones is as advertised you're upgrading at the quarterback position once Carson Wentz gets back. You're upgrading, whereas most Super Bowl teams don't upgrade, they actually lose a lot. And that's why one of the reasons why it's so tough to repeat, and we haven't seen it since the Patriots did it in 2005.
1: What I'm more concerned about than the turnover of the roster, because like you said, I agree, it got better. You know what else got better, though? The schedule. The schedule is infinitely harder this season than it was last year. It is. I mean, there's no from, Arizona.
0: There's no Chicago. You're going from seven and nine to a Super to Bowl to thirteen schedule. and three, right? But with that said, though, and this is why I'm actually very confident in the team. So when I just came in to do my show yesterday, I was under the belief that hey, they'll go three and one in their first four weeks. Um, I think they dropped without the Carson. Yeah, I think they dropped the Atlanta game. I think it's an emotional roller coaster. With raising the banner, and I think the Atlanta Falcons are to come in very hungry because they were bouncing. If you're the Atlanta Falcons, you've got to be sitting there watching, you know, what happened in the NFC Championship game and going, okay, well, if we could have just gotten past the Philadelphia Eagles, we would have a rematch against the Patriots. And, you know, that had been sitting with them for a full year about blowing the Super Bowl lead. So they're probably been festering on this for a a full, full, you know, six, seven months now about losing the, um, Losing that playoff game the way they did, three straight shots to Julio Jones in the end zone. He doesn't come down with it. That never seems to happen. So I was like, all right, under I'm the impression, hey, 3-1 and one will be good. Um, I got a tweet from Michael Tingle tweeted in and basically said the when home opener is also the season opener for the Super Bowl champs, they're 24-5-1. and one. They do really well. They do, yeah. And, and, and I mean, the other, the other stat that he threw at me was they're 40-10-1 on just the first game of the Super Bowl champs starting the next season. 40-10-1. So looking at that, looking at if Nick Foles is to be the starter for week one, Nick Foles played well enough to manage a game. You know, I think he threw like a little bit over 200 yards in that game. No touchdowns, no picks. He was a the definition of a game manager. But the defense shut down their number one offense in the Atlanta Falcons
1: was, last season. It was bad conditions, though. That's my concern. It's going to be a beautiful September night. You know, and like you said, it's going to be a an emotional night for the Eagles. They're going to not, raise the I'm, banner. Everybody's going to cry again.
0: So, 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 do you think they they lose that game?
1: I do think that they if Nick Foles plays, which it's looking more and more like that he is, I think that they lose to Atlanta. I I don't necessarily think that they can be a three and one team. I think they're more of a two and two team in the first four games because to me, the Colts are the ultimate unknown. Because if, Ooh, Andrew, Lu- if Andrew Luck plays that the way that he is capable of playing, the way that we saw him play prior to the injury, they could be a good offense. Yeah. Because Jacoby Brissett made them a fairly decent offense, and, and nobody would tell you that they'd take Jacoby Brissett over Andrew Luck when both healthy.
0: No, but Jacoby Brissett has the mobility factor where Andrew Luck does not, and I think you look at the Eagles front The Eagles front four, by the way, is, is terrifyingly scary good. I mean, you've got Derek Barnett, Who's going to come into his second year? If you don't think he's going to improve, you're 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 fooling yourself. Helody, not at the defensive tackle spot. Fletcher Cox, he's pretty good. Um, Brandon Graham at the other defensive end spot. If one of them gets, if, if Derek Barnett gets tired, you just throw in Michael Bennett. Just throw him in there. You know, rotate him in. You're going to rotate Chris Long in there. Their front four is going to feast on the offensive line. Of the Indianapolis Colts, well, especially
1: I mean, with no Jack Muhart
0: anymore. Yeah, like you like,
1: know, you lose he, one of your
0: best linemen. Yeah, he he, he retires. I understand you, you draft Quentin Nelson, but he can't play all five spots. And that offensive line is terrible. So now you've got a bad offensive line, a statue of a quarterback coming off neck. Was it a neck injury, shoulder injury? It was everything. Yeah, I everything mean, was hurt. Everything that involved throwing a football, it was messed up. It's the it's the third game of the season. Will he be back in a football shape? Who knows. But that front four is going to be in his face all day. And I keep going back to look if Nick Foles is your starting quarterback, and he plays. You know, there's there, there's definite a middle ground. He's not going to play like he did in the Super Bowl, but he's definitely not going to play as bad as he did in the playoff in the uh, preseason. There's going to be a middle ground somewhere in there of of Nick Foles, and it might be mediocre Nick Foles, and I'm I'm fine with that because. The reality is your defense should be able to win you most of these games. Your defense should be able to keep Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons in check well enough so that your offense can kind of, you know, score enough points to win that one. If they don't, fine, whatever. Because you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming in here. Without their left tackle, without their starting quarterback, you could probably play quarterback for, that, for, for the Philadelphia Eagles that day and you'd probably win. The, the Indianapolis Colts we just talked about, that's a bad football team. And the Tennessee Titans don't scare anybody, so you should easily come out of that stretch 4-0 and or 3-1. and
1: What is the mantra about Tennessee that nobody gives them any kind of credit? They were a playoff team last year, and I understand that Houston's better and Houston probably could be a division winner. Jacksonville is one of the best
0: defenses in the league. Why does everybody hate on Tennessee? Because like this? Tennessee got in the playoffs by default because the Houston Texans lost to Sean Watson. And I don't think anyone buys into the Marcus Mariota hype train. I don't buy Mariota either, but the team itself is not a bad team. I mean, thank God we did not do the deal for Marcus Mariota. Thank the Lord we have well, yeah, We're Watson. all we're
1: all thanking but, uh, every uh, deity but we can again, think of the now. The
0: defense should be able to win you that game. The Eagles are the most complete team arguably in football right now. And they might, they, they have the luxury of, if they want to, waiting the first four weeks of the season on Carson Wentz for the meat of the schedule. And if they want to wait the first four weeks of the season on Carson Wentz to get him extra rest and rehab, then you go into the meat of your schedule with Minnesota in week five and the Giants in week six and Carolina in week seven and the Jaguars in week eight. You go into that with your quarterback at least being a a month fresher and healthier than every other quarterback in the league and once again if he struggles i keep saying it and i'll keep harping on it but the defense should be able to carry you because they're that good the weakest spot of your defense is the linebacker spot but the secondary has, has been overhauled the past two years the cornerback spots are the strongest they've been since lito and sheldon were manning you know the outside the front four as i already talked about is scary good i mean this defense should be should be just monsters out there they should be able to shut most teams down. Popeye's in. buys Oh, I'm all in. I'm, I'm in, and I'm not to say that
1: I'm out by any means because you don't, you're not out on a defending Super Bowl champion. You just don't do it. My concern is you, you bring up your point four games, you let them sit, they go 2-2, two and two, they go 3-1, and one, whatever they end up doing. You bring Carson Wentz against Minnesota in his first real action in 10 months, 11 months. You don't think
0: they're going to be gunning for his head? Yeah, but everybody's going to be gunning for his head. Like what you don't think? But if, Minnesota, especially being but, that okay, team, okay. If you bring them in for Atlanta in Week One, you don't think they're going to be gunning for a sure. Sack? They will. I mean, that's why I mean, you need to you need to find a way to get them into the Tennessee game. More teams, more teams will be gunning for. Like, yeah, you're right. Atlanta and and um, Minnesota will be gunning maybe more than other teams, but I think everybody's going to be gunning for his knee. I think everybody's going to be trying to take that cheap shot like they did with Donovan McNabb the year after the Super Bowl when they opened up the season against Atlanta. And there was that late hit on McNabb that forced him to have, you know, I think it was um, uh, sports hernia surgery. And ironically, that was never flagged, which it should have been. But when you have that target on your back, yeah, people are going to take liberties and take late hits. But your offensive line, by the way, is one of the strongest in football. That's not wrong. I mean I mean you're right the, about the that. offensive line is our, the people always say you win in the trenches the Eagles trenches are some of the strongest the best football. in football with the front four and then the offensive line the way it is I mean it's hard to imagine this team is going to lose a lot of games I'm I'm, I'm all in on this team 610 5 one more segment to go until we pass it off to Anthony Gargano and Bob Cooney. Uh, Pat Egan for Tyler Zulli on 975 the fanatic the,
2: the fanatic at 5 on 975 the fanatic
3: Do you remember me? Sure. You and your husband were moving to another home. You told me to wave my arm like I was scattering seed. I remember.
2: And everything disappeared.
3: Yes, it did.
2: Just like that.
3: Just like that. This is where we moved to. It's beautiful.
0: Please. Look at all the junk they left behind.
3: Point to what you would like to disappear, ma'am.
0: You don't want me to wave my arm again?
3: Only if you want everything to disappear.
1: All
0: I have to do is point?
3: All you have to do is point.
0: Well... Let's start with that broken bird bath, that old swing set, and that nasty old yard furniture.
3: When you want junk to disappear, the... all you have to do is point.
1: And those broken tree limbs? Call 1 800 Got Junk. And that pile of boxes. Or visit 1
2: 800GotJunk.com. Yes.
3: You started a DIY project at home. Then you realize convenience isn't always easy. The why in DIY doesn't mean why is this so hard? At ADT, we DIY, do it for you. We customize and install a secure smart home that you control from the palm of your hand or the sound of your voice. Smart security designed and installed just for you with ADT. Visit ADT.com/smart to learn more. License information available at ADT.com. ADT Real Protection.
2: The Capital One Quicksilver Card. You earn unlimited 1.5 percent cash back on every purchase, every way. It's easy. That's just the way I like it. Oh,
3: that's the way. Uh huh, uh huh. I like it. Uh huh, uh huh. That's the way. Uh huh, uh huh. I like it. Uh
2: huh, uh huh. Whoa! The Quicksilver Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet?
3: That's the way. Uh huh,
2: uh huh. Capital I like One Bank, USA, N A.
3: Uh-huh. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
2: Defend your vehicle from harmful elements and restore shine with ArmorAll Original Protectant. For a limited time, O'Reilly Auto Parts has a great deal on a 16-ounce bottle of ArmorAll Protectant for 4 dollars Renew, revitalize, and protect your vehicle with Armor All Protectant. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day.
3: Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Auto Parts.
2: Kathy here. Hey, it's Mike. My team just pulled off the biggest upset in the history of forever. Nice, Mike. Yeah, and some fans are getting crazy. They even flipped over a car. Whoa. Turns out it's my car, though. Oh. But I don't want to be upset right now. I want to know State Farm's going to take care of this, right? We got you covered, Mike. Enjoy yourself. Yes! Woo! Thank you! Go with the one that's here to help life go right. State Farm. Talk to an agent today something big just dropped at mcdonald's in fact it's so big we think it's worthy of a beat drop the two for five dollar mix and match deal at mcdonald's featuring an all-time greatest hits lineup the big mac filet of fish 10-piece chicken mcnuggets and the classic chicken sandwich choose any two favorites for just five bucks there you have it the two for five dollar mix and match deal at mcdonald's has officially dropped i participate in mcdonald's limited time offer single item at regular price
1: keep it, get rid of it. My closet has so much more room now that I've cleaned it out.
2: Time to shop. Get up to 50% off Select Apparel for the family at JCPenney. Plenty of options to fill it right back up.
1: I haven't worn this in years. Oh, no. Shoulder pads?
2: They certainly command the room. Hurry into JCPenney Monday through Wednesday. For up to 50% off Select Apparel. JCPenney, style and value for all. Offers valid 827
3: to 829. Exclusion supplies. Use store JCP.com for details.
0: Using an overpriced
3: Things are about to change around here.
2: Catch up on the Philly sports you missed the night before. And what's coming up later in the day? The Fanatic at 5 with Aton Chander and Jamie Lynch. This is new. Weekday mornings at 5. Live on 97.5 The Fanatic. The <laughs> Fanatic. <laughs>
0: 15 minutes, I hand it over to Anthony Gargano and Bob Cooney, and they'll take it over for the next four hours. They've got Mike Missinelli at 8 a.m., and they have Jason Stark talking baseball at 9 a.m. Uh, I do want to get into Doug Peterson, because yesterday he spoke to the media, and you can kind of just hear in his voice, he is fed up with the one question. So, Tyler, if you can pull up uh, the Doug Peterson audio. Um, now, to, to be fair, from what, I was, from what I was told, they got in late. He's probably not had a lot of sleep but the question on everybody's mind is when will Carson Wentz be cleared? And Doug Peterson is flat out sick of it. Here it is.
3: I don't know how many times I can answer this
2: question. But no, I mean when, when they answer. clear yeah. him. When yeah. they clear him, he'll be cleared. I'm not going. I'm not going to put. You, I'm not going to put myself in a box. I'm not going to put my quarterback in a box. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go on a limb, and I'm not going to say that. So either either ask it a different way, or otherwise, I'm. I'm you're going to get the same answer.
0: That's really the first time that I can remember that Doug Peterson got an attitude with the media. Like, Chip Kelly used to get it all the time. And Doug Peterson, that's the first time. Usually he's, g shucks, you know, this is great and, and all that. But to me, this this is very telling because Carson Wentz also kind of get a, lot, a little bit of an attitude with, like, you know, you guys see what I'm doing out there when he was asked about it. Now you've got Doug Peterson getting an attitude. And what I'm reading from the tea leaves and, and reading from the statements is that... These two guys think that Carson Wentz can go, and the medical staff is hesitant to clear him, and as well they should be. And they're kind of getting annoyed with it. I don't blame them. At this point, I don't blame them. You don't don't blame who? You don't blame?
1: I don't blame Doug Peterson anymore because you've been asking the same question, and I know it's the media's job, it's our job, and the media's job to ask the questions that we want to get the answers to, and sometimes they're just not simply not going to answer. But at, at this point. You've got. He's right. You've got to ask it in a different way. Get a different take. Get a different spin. Yeah, but even if they
0: ask it in a different way, he's not going to answer the question because he doesn't know. I mean, if you don't think that Doug Peterson's going into the medical staff's office every day and going, "Why hasn't this guy been cleared?" I mean, of course he's doing that. He wants his franchise quarterback out there, especially when his, his starting quarterback right now, QB one and Nick Foles, has struggled the way he, he he has. I mean, before the third preseason game. Doug Peterson was asked, what are you looking for from Nick Foles? He said, I'm looking for consistency, I'm looking for him to score some points, and I'm looking for, basically, Nick Foles to regain that form. He got none of that against the worst team in football. he seen the, enough. The laughing stock of football. Since they've come in the lead, they've been a laughing stock. We talked earlier today, when we were talking about the Phillies, about teams that... Every year you're like, yeah, I'm not worried about them. And I brought up the Padres. How the Padres haven't been relevant since, since 2007. And before that it was 97. I mean, every year you're not worried about the San Diego Padres. The Cleveland Browns are that team. 2007 is the relevancy of bad teams. Yeah. That Browns it, team almost made, yeah, the almost, almost made the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, they almost made the playoffs. Yeah. Who's the quarterback? Derek Anderson that year? Yeah. Um, so, which tells you, you to Winslow. Um, so, you, you go out and you're playing the worst team in football, a team that's won one, they've gone one and 31 in their past 32 games. Now, I understand it doesn't count. I understand it's preseason. You're not using the RPO. Your playbook is so vanilla and so watered down. Even with all of that, you should be able to put some points on the board. So, Doug Peterson's sitting there. He's watching this go down. He's getting no consistency. He's getting his quarterback throwing interceptions, fumbling the ball, and even throwing into safety for good measure. Yeah, he wants Carson Wentz back. But is that really what's best for the long-term plan? Because every single medical professional out there said when the injury happened that opening week, week one, would be very, very, very optimistic. And now we've got a completely new medical staff in in, in tow. And their first job is to clear your franchise quarterback. And we want them to rush that process. like. I understand both sides of the, of, of, of the coin. I understand where Doug Peterson's coming from because he played the game. He's dealt with injuries. And I think he trusts when his quarterback says, yeah, I'm good to go. But on the other side, I, I also see where the medical stats coming from because you basically have a Ferrari with a cut brake line. And, you know, you just tied it together with string and you're like, can I drive it? Can I drive it? Can I drive it? You're going to want to double check that a few times and make sure that that, you know, that brake line is secure before you crash the damn thing. And I think that's what the medical staff's worried about is rushing him back. We should expect the medical staff to take this cautious approach with our franchise quarterback. It's not Nate Sudfeld. It's Carson Wentz. It is the next 10 years. And they should take advantage of the fact that their opening four, four games are very winnable games where minimum you'd be able to go 3-1. and one. So I understand both sides.
1: If Carson, If Carson is cleared to play, if for some reason they medically clear him for week one, I want to see him out there. I don't have any reserve if he is medically cleared. That's a big if, like you said. If he's not, I just want to see him get some reps in-game before the Minnesota game. That's the biggest concern for me. I think
0: for me it is... You know, Carson's probably 90-something percent ready to go. Sure. I don't blame a medical staff for waiting till he's 100%. And I won't blame a medical staff for waiting until he's 100% because, as I said, he's the most important person in that locker room. You know, this is the next 10, 15 years, and I just can't – I keep thinking back to RG, RG3. Now, RG3 is a different situation because RG3 used his legs and mobility to open up a lot. And when he had to actually sit in a pocket and read defense as he struggled. So I understand that, but I think RG3 is a cautionary tale for waiting a little bit longer to make sure a guy's good to go instead of throwing him out there because he says he's good to go when, you know, he might not be fully 100% and then re-injuring it. And medically and statistically, when you come back in that month in that, you know, that early stage early, your risk of re-injuring yourself goes up tremendously. Whereas if you were to wait an extra month, two months, it goes down. So I don't blame this medical staff whatsoever. But it's 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 very interesting to me that the both the, the quarterback, obviously Carson Wentz not so much, but the coach, the head coach Doug Peterson seems to be fed up with this medical staff. And obviously he's fed up with the question, but the medical staff, it seems like he's, he's just had enough. And I wonder how much of that is wanting to get Carson back. And I also wonder how much of that is Nick Foles. Because it was very telling to me that Nick Foles – when he struggled in the preseason we make all excuses for him i, I just did it a few minutes ago no rpo manella playbook um you could you know left tackle uh vitai as a turnstile. he doesn't have his first team offense but with all with every excuse that you can make doug peterson knows that excuse as well and doug peterson isn't making it so if doug peterson is concerned which i think he is and doug peterson isn't willing to give this guy a pass why should we as a fan base give him a pass
1: well, and you have all those excuses. You have everything that you want to throw out, that you want your narrative to succeed, and they go out and get blanked by the Browns. I I, I know you keep saying, everybody says this, I know it's preseason, it doesn't mean anything, blah, 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 blah. However, you are still a putting a product on the field that you, if needed, would throw into a game situation, and the if needed is very, very high for Nick Foles to play one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever it may be, until Carson Wentz returns. And what Doug Peterson saw, and when he did the uh, the, the halftime, coming out of halftime, and uh, he was asked, are you going back to
0: Nick? And he, uh, he very blatantly no, said, done. no, I've seen enough. I mean, yeah, no. And it wasn't a, no, I'm good. I'm good. We're, we're okay. We'll get stuff. Done. It was, it was no, very done. angry done. I don't want to sit here for the next hour and watch any more of that you know and when we talked about the phillies about needing leadership and about needing closed door meetings and stuff because there's a pride level there's a pride level with all these guys where you know even if it's preseason football you want to win even if it's you know august baseball and it's the dog days and you're playing a, a bad baseball team and you're you want to win you know you can't play down your competition and it doesn't matter the game is meaningless in the long run but you still have a pride level there and you should still should want to win and perform what was also You know, alarm started going off with that Aaron Andrews um, quote that you were talking about was when he said, I don't know what's up with Nick Foles. I thought he was good to go. He looked calm out there. You don't know what's up with your starting quarterback. That is troubling. The fact that you actually said, I don't know what's up with him. I mean, I kind of worry this guy has gotten a little bit complacent at this point. You know, and, 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 I, and I hope that in a few weeks we're all laughing about this conversation and, and this conversation is a new Fletcher Cox missing OTAs and we can all have a chuckle about it. But you don't know what's up with your starting quarterback. Man, that's, that's, that's very worrisome. And the play of Nick Foles has led to all these questions about when will Carson Wentz be back. Because if Nick Foles goes out there and he throws 175 yards and two touchdowns and two quarters, we're not having this conversation. You know, we're not, the, the conversation, the, the questions about when will Carson Wentz be, be back, they're there, but they're not as prevalent. But because of how poorly he's played, that's all, that's the only question in on everybody's mind is when will Carson Wentz be back? Because I think the fan base doesn't have a ton of faith right now in Nick Foles. And even if they would have gone out and scored 14 points, you
1: know, you go up 14-5 at just, just give time. me something. Just, you're out. You get out. And it mean, was a good first something. half. We saw we saw some, some things we liked. We saw some things we didn't like. We're going to work on them. We're going to evaluate the tape. That's all you
0: have to say at that point. But it was so bad that he had to go out and say, we're done. Yeah, it's very telling to me. Uh, Fanatic at five. Pat Egan, Tyler Zuli will be back tomorrow. Coming up next is Anthony Gargano and Bob Cooney on 97.5 The Fanatic.